I've been writing a Bible study. Yeah. And it'll be out sometime after Christmas. But I thought I would share a little bit from it today, if that's okay. And if it's not, who's, here's the door. <laughs> I don't know why I always say that. I need to stop, take that out of my vocabulary. Sorry. And it's on, um, it's just kind of lessons from the parable of the ten virgins and just something that the Lord's been doing in my heart just around that parable. And um, so what we're going to do is we're going to read it first together. But I'm going to pray before we do that. Hey, Holy Spirit. Thank you for reading this passage with us today. And we just want to wipe away all assumptions and presumptions and the ideas we already have about what this means, and we just want to lean into you today. Will you make this fresh to us? In Jesus' name, Matthew 25, 1 through 13, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going, going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. So watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. There's one, um, you know, you can, with parables, you can, lots of interpretations, but the main point of this is that our heavenly bridegroom's coming back for us, for his bride, and we better be ready. Because <laughs> we don't know when he's coming, and we need not just lamps and not just oil in our lamps, but flasks of oil, reserves of oil, so we don't run out, and we're not busy doing something else when he comes. Got it? Isn't that good? Yeah, I mean, I could just sit there for a little bit, but I'm going to keep going. Um, so I'm going to read um, just a working definition for us about what it means to buy oil, if that's okay. Oil is the product of pressing into Jesus to know him. And you could also, let me just clarify, this could probably interpret it a lot of different ways, but for us today, this is my definition of oil. Oil is the product of pressing into Jesus to know him. And as we pursue, as we press into, follow after Jesus, we are buying oil for our lamps. A constant supply of oil is what keeps us watching and ready for Jesus's return. If you think about how we get olive oil, they take the olives and they press them. I don't know if you've ever seen these machines that they use today. It's intense. I mean, it's crushed. And as they crush those olives, 
all the oils dripping down and we collect it in jars for good cooking. Amen. And good skin care, apparently. I didn't know that was a thing. But in Jesus, it's just like that when we press in to Jesus, that we are we're pressing into him, we're leaning into him, and he's giving us the oil for the lamp of our lives. And it takes pursuit. We've been talking about it a lot this morning, the great pursuit. It takes pursuit. It takes the choice. It's getting up every day saying, I'm here again, Jesus. I want flasks of oil. I ran out of oil yesterday. <laughs> I need a little more. And this is how we become burning ones. This is how we become light in the darkness. And this is how we become ministers of reconciliation, which we are called to according to the Bible, all of those things. So I was reading this a couple of years ago, and I'm like, whoa, if oil is so important, what in the world is keeping me from buying it? What, what in the world? And so um, part of this just has to do with things that distract us. This is um, from buying oil, things that distract us from getting ready. So here we go. First distraction, number one. Oh, let me do my time check. Awesome. Okay. Um, is common ground commonalities. So there um, in the parable, all 10 virgins had lamps and all of them were waiting and everybody fell asleep and all 10 of them heard the cry. Everybody got up, trimmed their lamps, but only five had enough oil to keep their lamps burning. <clears throat> There's a difference. It's not enough to have the lamp. It's not enough to be watching. It's not enough to do all these things like all 10 of them had. It, it, it's the oil that made the difference here. And it's what set it apart five of these ladies, five of the attendants as wise and ready. So we, it's not enough to have common ground. This is the point I'm making. With the kingdom of heaven, we have to be living from it. The oil from heaven has to be in us. It has to be lighting us up because it's not enough to have common um, commonalities with it. We've got to be living from it. Um, just in our social media and our TVs and the advertisement, good Lord, there's so much advertisement everywhere, even at the gas station these days. Because I'm like, come on, now give me five seconds of quiet. And not even there, but it's, it's everywhere. It's in movies and it's in influencers. It's in sports media. It's, it's just everywhere. Um, there's ripe with messages that are in common with the kingdom of heaven. Here are some. Kindness, equality, justice, love, identity, acceptance, and I could do, you know, a hundred more of those. And it's, the world is ripe with these messages. And that's good, because those are kingdom principles. Those are in the heart of God. But if the solution to those things doesn't come from God's heart, doesn't come from the kingdom of heaven, it's a temporary thing, and it's fading with the grass. So our, our solutions to these things um, has to be attached to the kingdom of heaven. So it's not enough to have things in common with heaven. We have to be in it, right? Um, commonalities fall short of living from the kingdom of heaven. So I want to say to you, we have to press into Jesus and buy oil for the lamps of our lives. The second, sorry, my earring is caught on this microphone. I'll just take it off. 
You're welcome. <laughs> Don't let me forget that. Second distraction, counterfeits. So what counterfeits do is we begin to settle for a knockoff version of kingdom life instead of living from it. And um, counterfeits occur when we don't want to spend the money or spend the time for the real thing. Point in case, my shoes. (laughs) Some people would pay $200 for a pair of shoes like this, but I like to pay $20 at Walmart. Come on. (laughs) But the problem is, and it's really frugal, but the problem is is they're killing my feet. (laughs) I I can feel the bones shifting right now. So I'm sure that a $200 pair of shoes would have be more much more comfortable. So sometimes it's really frugal and it's it's beneficial to to take the counterfeit, but usually there's a price we pay somewhere down the line, right? And it rolls over these things like shoes and mayonnaise and ketchup stuff. <laughs> it runs over and to more important things in our lives, like relationships and jobs and income and family, and even into our discipleship. So what happens when the temporary things, the ideals, the social issues, those common ground things, when they become our focus, then relationship with God gets lost because he has to remain first love, priority, gaze set on Jesus, right? And then they become counterfeits, and then we get that knockoff version. Um, So I was reminded... Uh, this is just a scriptural reference to that, but in Exodus when um, Aaron and Moses were, um, they were before Pharaoh trying to get the Israelites to get him to set free the Israelites, right, and from slavery. And they were doing miracles and the Egyptian magicians kept um, reproducing those. So here's, this is the verse, Exodus 7. And Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials and it became a snake. Then Pharaoh summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. And each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. And this went on a couple more times with the, they turned water into blood. They were able to replicate that. And they were able to replicate the duplication of frogs. (laughs) But eventually, they were unable to replicate that. Their, their power, their secret art, ran out of steam because you can't replicate the kingdom of heaven if you're not living from it. The only way that we can reproduce the kingdom of heaven is if we're attached and we're abiding in it. Otherwise, we're just offering the world common ground and counterfeits. That ain't what they want. So common ground, um, common ground falls short of kingdom life and counterfeits. We're settling for a knockoff version of it. And there's one more distraction, and it's complacency. Um, there is no greater threat to being ready or to buying oil, to pressing into Jesus than the distraction of complacency. It's the opposite. It is the antithesis of being ready. Um, And thankfully, Merriam-Webster agrees with me. Let's take a look at that definition. 
It means self-satisfaction, red flag number one. Self-satisfaction, especially when we're accompanied by the unawareness, red flag number two, of the actual dangers or deficiencies. Holy, holy moly. Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by the unawareness of the actual dangers and deficiencies. Um, related words to this, there's a bunch of self-words, like self-righteous and all that good stuff. And then also in that dictionary I was looking at, were half-hearted, lukewarm, and detached. I want to tell you that complacency drains out the readiness from our hearts. It drains oil from the lamps. Um, there's nothing about Jesus, there's nothing about the kingdom of heaven that is half-hearted, lukewarm, or detached. The kingdom of heaven is full. It's full. It's got everything you need. And um, I want to give you a couple of scripture references so you don't think I'm making stuff up. So it's not half-hearted, it's whole-hearted. Second Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord are looking back and forth for the whole earth, for hearts that are whole-hearted towards him. Not half-hearted, whole-hearted. So that, promise, he can show himself strong on their behalf. Come on, that's the kingdom of heaven. Why would we settle for anything less? It's not lukewarm, it's zealous. Um... This is from Revelation 3 to the church of Lady, uh, not Lady, <laughs> sorry, Laodicea, hopefully. I know your works, you're neither hot nor cold, and I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. But um, I, to whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. So be zealous and repent. I'm knocking on the door, open it up. It's not lukewarm, it's zealous. Stuff. I just want to, we were talking about the great pursuit earlier, and um, Farrah mentioned, uh, was reading from Song of Solomon. And you know what's beautiful about the great pursuit that Kelsey so beautifully sang about is that it's reciprocated, is that a word? <laughs> and there's a song lyric from somebody that says, um, I'm being chased by the very one that I pursue. And so pursuit is us hot on God's heels. And at the same time, he's right there. And it's this beautiful, beautiful picture. He's teaching us. He teaches us how to love. He's been teaching us how to pursue the whole time. And it's the whole point. So we're pressing into him for oil in our lamps. Um, it's not detached. It's abiding. This is from John 15. Um, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it is attached to me. So the kingdom of heaven isn't detached. It's not unconnected. We're abiding from it, and it's his life flowing through us. As we grow as disciples, and we're getting closer and closer to Jesus and more and more like him, we get further and further and further away from lukewarm, half-hearted, and detached. And our lives start looking more and more alike, abiding. And we're zealous. We're burning. <laughs> burning ones in a dark world. And we're wholehearted. We're in it. 
when we become set apart. And that's what sets us apart as wise. The fear of the Lord, it's our wisdom. It's what set us apart as uncommon because we're holy as he is holy in those moments. I want you to take just a second and just ask the Holy Spirit if there are areas in life where you are lukewarm, half-hearted, or detached. So Holy Spirit, we, we got big ears to hear you today. You surface those places. I've been rereading a book this year called The Heavenly Man by Christian Brother Yun. And it's um, about the Chinese underground church, about how this minister was um, being a minister in a very hard time. And there are lots of persecution. And and as I'm reading it, there's no way to read this without being convicted, especially as an American. Sorry to say that, but sometimes I, (laughs) I don't think we sometimes realize that that could happen to us. I'm not prophesying that it's going to. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. I'm just, I want to be aware enough to know that that could happen. <laughs> and if it does, I want to be pressing into Jesus. And I want oil for my lamp. But um, also don't think I'm a Christian when I read that book. I'm like, I, <laughs> this guy, I don't think I love Jesus at all. <laughs> but you shouldn't compare yourself to uh, anyway. So this one section of the book, he's talking about how they're meeting in cornfields because it's the safest place. It's the only place they can go and, and fellowship together and read the word together and, and sing in, <laughs> in a cornfield. And, um, and I just stepped back, I closed the book and I put it down and I asked myself this question, so I worded it out. So maybe you can ask yourself this question too. Would you go to a secret worship service in the middle of a cornfield where bugs and mice and snakes and other creatures roam freely just to sing a few worship songs with fellow believers? No stage, no lights, no words, no bathroom, no Charmin, no coffee, no soft chair, no comfort. Not to mention the looming threat of losing your life. Would you go? (laughs) I'm going to tell you my honest answer, and I'm sorry I'm embarrassed even to say it. But I woke up that morning, or when I got done, I just kind of shut the book, and I went, would I go? And my honest answer was, if I woke up that morning and felt like it, I'd probably go. And if that's not a complacent, entitled answer, I don't know what is if I felt like it. That's me being really unaware of how much I need Jesus. That's the unaware, that's the complacency. Completely unaware that I need him so much that heck yeah, I'd get in a cornfield with him. You better believe it. Yeah, I'm gonna pray with you wherever we are. Let's do it. Let's sing a song together. Let's remind each other what faithfulness is, what Jesus did on a cross. I don't, I told the Lord, sorry, I didn't know I was going to get so upset. I said, I don't want that complacency 
in my heart to get out. It was a dangerous prayer because he started showing me a lot of stuff. I don't, I want to be aware of how much I need him. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. And I want to press into him as many chances as I get throughout my day. You know what I mean? give you one example of that just um, so you don't feel all alone out there if the Lord's convicting you of something. But he, he started convicting me of my reset, of how I reset during the day. Because I, I go, I get up in the morning and I'm going, I'm going. So when I get home, I'm ready to be entertained. I'm ready to turn on the TV and let someone else think about stuff for a second. And I don't watch bad stuff like the cooking shows. That's about it. And Andy Griffith, I mean, come on. That's as wholesome as it gets. <laughs> and um, He's like, it's not what you're watching, and it's not about how much you're watching it. It's that I want to be first in your reset. You don't know how much you need me in the reset, Adrian. If you come in and you just spend just one, I said, I can't read the Bible. I can't take any more information. He's like, I don't, you don't have to read. He goes, just get before me and say hi again. I'm resetting with you, Jesus. Because he's he's peace. And it's been really it's been really hard. And it's really weird because I've been um, just kind of laying prostrate in my living room. And if anyone were looking in the window, they'd be like, what is that girl doing? Are you okay? Get up. And it's but it's been really wonderful just to lay there and say, and I don't even say much. I'm just like, hey Jesus, I am super tired. I'm exhausted from my day, but I want to reset with you first been really good and that's just one example of um, just becoming aware of our need for him in every aspect of life so do you have oil do you have oil do you have flasks of oil how you doing are you watching and are you ready do you know how much you need him because when we we can't light up to a dark world if we don't even understand how much we need it. And there's a world that's hungry for the bread of life. We got it. You know what I mean? We're going to, um, here's what we're going to do. I want to give you space to be with Jesus and kind of work through whatever he may be doing in your heart. And if he's not doing anything, that's okay. But we're going to take communion together, and I want to read this scripture and um, after I set this up, I'm just, you can do this at your own pace. They're going to sing a song, so while they're singing, you can take communion. You can lead yourself in it. But I'm going to set up what's happening right here. Because this is one way we press into him and we remember what he did on the cross. And there's a lot of space. If, um, sometimes it's helpful when you're... Um, processing with the Lord that you can get up you can make an action move so there's a lot of space if you want to get out of your seat and come up here or move somewhere to do this um, you can totally do that so the bread we do this to remember what Christ did for us and the bread is the broken body of Christ that was wounded for our transgressions and we were healed by what he did and the blood is washes us clean from sin and it makes us new.
want to read this passage. This is from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that was opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near, let us come closer with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's what's happening. This is what you're remembering today. And um, you have full access. The only thing keeping you from it is you. (laughs) It's been done for you. So as they sing, um, you can take communion. You can spend a little time with Jesus. Be wherever you need to be. Let us pray over us. Jesus, we... I mean, how faithful are you that you would give us a story, not just one, several stories, you know, just a little heads up. Hey, you got to keep watching. Thank you, Jesus, that you tell us exactly what we need. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. And in the power of your resurrection, we can come boldly to you in full assurance that you're right there to meet us. And we're pressing into you today, Jesus. Here we are, we're saying, I need you. We're needy, needy, needy people. We need you, Jesus. Will you stir up our awareness for how much we need you? Um, sorry, I just had a thought. You know, there's a there's a difference between wanting something and needing something. And it's good to want Jesus, but <laughs> we gotta understand our complete need for it. And I'm not. This is a funny example of that, but I love donuts and I want one all the time. You know what my body doesn't need? Donuts. I mean, the energy is gone just like that. My my body needs water. My body needs protein. It needs better things. And so it's not about, it is about wanting him. It's good when we want Jesus, when we're choosing him. But it's also just about being aware of how much that we need him. Jesus, we need him.